Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Hyperloop is essentially a maglev train system uh, that's, uh, inside, that operates within a low-pressure tube to decrease uh, air resistance because a, a lot of the energy output uh, usage for normal maglev trains is just overcoming that air resistance to maintain that high speed. I usually say that it's a, it's like a, it's a pod that's in a vacuum in a, in like a tube that's that could go really fast and carry um, people or cargo. I'm from Romania, and the the hyperloop is a, a pod who levitates on the magnetic field of the of the coil and uh, we have a uh, elect- full electrical uh, design uh, is for future is the is the best uh, way to to travel because it's very very quickly and that's it <laughs> hyperloop is basically a fast speed train inside of a vacuum uh, tube we will be operating at 0.02 psi, so very low pressure, and we will have levitation from compressed air tanks on board, and we'll shoot the compressed air through the bottom and use haulback arrays that are rotating in order to achieve attitude control. A lot of my friends think that the Hyperloop is a space elevator. Actually, Hyperloop is here. It's on Earth. An extremely fast train, and people then go, how fast? And I say, 1,000 kilometers an hour, and they generally take a step back. <laughs> Hyperloop is a high-speed train and a vacuum tube. We want to go over 700 miles an hour. Less moving parts than a bike, faster than a plane. Hyperloop. A train that's twice as fast as a plane in a tube. Like, sort of like the Jetsons, I suppose. Welcome to Radio Motherboard. This is Jason Kebler. I just got back from the SpaceX Hyperloop Challenge at Texas A&M University where college students were competing to design a pod for Elon Musk's futuristic fifth mode of transportation. But what is a Hyperloop? Well, as you can tell from the students' descriptions, it's not all that easy to say. And you're not the only one asking that question. How many times have you answered that question, what is the Hyperloop? I have answered that question probably over 100 times. (laughs) So you've got it down to a science. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty, uh, it's intuition at this point. Just uh, when my friends are like, oh, what's that club you're in that you spend so much time on back at at school when I'm never working on classes, always working on Hyperloop, and they don't know what it is, but I'm super passionate about it and trying to work on this. And how do you not know what Hyperloop is? If I got a dollar for every time I'd answer it, I probably wouldn't be here. I reckon I'd be sitting at home in a mansion. How many times have you answered that question? In my, in like, ever since in your life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Probably maybe uh, 
60 hours total answering that question in my lifetime. Yeah, I say 100. <laughs> I say 100 times. I got a lot of family up in England and India and stuff, and they don't understand any of this. And in my perspective, I honestly think the Hyperloop would be most, uh, most efficient in like European countries where the cities are much closer together. So, and they do have high bullet trains as well, uh, high speed trains. So if we bring that into the US as well, get from LA to New York is probably the goal, I would say. Con just connecting the East Coast, West Coast, connecting the entire country. I just had to explain to my parents today what a Hyperloop was. So that's pretty difficult, especially to your grandmother or something. <laughs> well, uh, do, do you think that she got it? Uh, probably not. Uh, I've got a little more explaining to do, I'd say. <laughs> the Hyperloop was proposed by SpaceX and Tesla CEO Elon Musk back in 2013, when at a media appearance, he casually started talking about a super fast mode of transportation that could get you from Los Angeles to San Francisco in about 40 minutes. What inspired me to, to sort of uh, do the Hyperloop thing? Um, first of all, I want to acknowledge uh, you know, the help of great, great people at uh, SpaceX and Tesla, who worked with me on, on, on it. Um, but, but actually, what, what inspired me is um, I was stuck in LA traffic. Um, and and I, was, uh, I was about an hour late for, for a talk. And, um, and I was thinking, man, there's got to be some better way to get around. So uh, at, at first, I had this, the idea that I had actually made no sense and wouldn't work. But I, I kind of shot my mouth, mouth off at the event and said, yeah, I've got this idea for a new form of transport that I think would be really cool. And then I, I thought people were just not, bother, not asking about it in the future, but then they did. Um, so it's like, oh man, I better, better come up with something that actually does work. <laughs> um, and then, um, like, we actually only came to a solution that we thought would work maybe two days before uh, the date that I published it. Um, and I just, I just basically put it on the website and did 30 minutes of Q&A. Um, and then it, went, it just went bananas, like it went super viral. Um, I wasn't actually expecting that to happen. So um, I, I just wanted to do what I said I would do, which is you know, write, write the paper. So. That was Musk speaking to students this weekend. As he said, it started a media frenzy. Back now with what was one of the biggest talkers of the day, the proposal by inventor and entrepreneur Elon Musk to revolutionize the way we travel faster and cheaper. Musk says he was up all night working on the design before he released it today. Now, if it were anyone else, the world probably wouldn't notice. But this is Elon Musk. In fact, CNN took our own Brian Merchant down into a New York City subway station for some reason to have him talk about it. I met up with science writer Brian Merchant inside the old-school New York City subway system to get the real Hyperloop scoop. What do we think it might be like? It's supposed to be nothing like the infrastructure we're used to, right? Right, so he says it's going to be the fifth mode of transportation, like nothing we've ever seen before. Hopefully so, nothing like this. So what would right. it look like? So the smart money says it'll look something like a pneumatic tube, sort of like an enclosed tube, and we just blast air through that. Kind of like, you know, you know those old school mail systems where right. they stuff the package up and it gets sucked up? And we're gonna be launched out of this rail gun. Boom, you're off, 600 miles per hour. And so I'm imagining my face like, oh, God, is this gonna be something I wanna ride on? I think so, because in, an, in a controlled environment, speed itself doesn't actually impact human health. Brian, if you're listening, good job, that was great. Your explanation is as good as anyone's. 
Take the air out of a tube using vacuum pumps to reduce the air drag. Levitate a pod or train or capsule, whatever you want to call it, using magnetic levitation or air bearings, which is kind of like an air hockey table. And you can then send it through the tube really, really fast. This is more or less how Elon Musk originally described it back in 2013. It's a cross between a Concorde and a railgun. A Concorde and a railgun, okay. Yeah. But you're not, you, you don't, I'll, you I'll don't want to throw something else in there just to, to make it sound even more, even more bizarre. Um, it's it's crossed between a Concorde, a railgun, and an air hockey table. This was two and a half years ago. Since Elon announced the concept and wrote a white paper describing it, he more or less backed out. He had electric cars to make and rockets to reuse. What's been going on since then? Well, two companies formed to build actual Hyperloops. They've been working more or less in secrecy until this weekend when both companies decided to talk with the media at length about their plans. And SpaceX had been totally out of the picture until June of last year, at least, when SpaceX announced it was building a one-mile Hyperloop test track at its Hawthorne, California headquarters. It said it was inviting university teams to design and build the pods that will go on that track. And last weekend, they had a design weekend at Texas A&M to see which schools would be allowed to move on to the final competition in June of this year. When I heard about it, I knew I had to go. And that's where I recorded most of this podcast. I realized two and a half years is nothing for an infrastructure project. But seriously, where the hell are Hyperloops? That was the main question I wanted to find out in Texas. 180 university teams showed up, and there are more than 1,000 students there overall. It was a madhouse. I'm all for getting students excited, and surely some of these young engineers will ultimately work on Hyperloops, but I was also astounded at the fact that there's now a bona fide Hyperloop industry. While SpaceX is silent for two years, two companies picked up the slack. The first is Hyperloop Transportation Technologies, and the other is Hyperloop Technologies. Uh, It might be a story for another time, but I will say it's super confusing, and I'm just going to try to use the company's names as little as possible. But here's what you need to know. Hyperloop Transportation Technologies is kind of a new AG vision of a company that's letting engineers work on a project in exchange for equity in the company. Here's how the company's COO, Bebop Gresta, explained it to me. We are the first and original company that uh, took the Elon Musk idea after two months. And thanks to the brilliance of the partner that I am, uh, that I have, Dirk Alborn, um, he had the idea to take this white paper and publish it into Jumpstart Found. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant and crazy because uh, you have to have a lot of courage to think that you can build this uh, with the help of the best minds in the planet. And our model is very simple. You, can, you have to work 10 hours a week minimum in exchange of stock option. In reality, right now, we have, uh, you know, more than 40% of the people that are full-time right now. Mm-hmm. But um, the model is still a very valid uh, way to conceive uh, the solution of a lot of problems of this planet. We're starting from transportation, but we can literally solve any problem in the planet, you know, energy, um, pollution, uh, food, housing. Uh, we are demonstrating that this is not only doable, uh, we are doing it. So from the initial um, white paper, after two years and a half, we are actually building it. And this is, I think, magic and amazing. HTT says it can build a working Hyperloop and not even charge customers for riding it, 
which I guess we can believe when we see it. When you have the full attention of a person in a capsule, we think that the ticket, it's a very obsolete way to monetize a user. And this time that you're dedicating to do something can be paid also. So imagine a business model that allow you to be paid to do something while you're traveling in the Hyperloop. And you don't have to pay a ticket anymore, you can earn money. And there are so many companies that want to get the benefit. You know, every one of us has a skill. Imagine to put this skill available for a community that is willing to pay for it. Well, of course, advertising is the easiest way to monetize it, even if I don't believe in, in uh, the um, interruption marketing. This is gone, I, I hope soon. Uh, we're talking about something more uh, related to permission and also you know, interest. Your seat will know who you are. We have a secret uh, propulsion lab that worked uh, rentlessly to give us uh, uh, prototypes that demonstrate that our propulsion and levitation is the most efficient uh, built uh, um, in the human history. But um, we acquired several solutions that were existing in the market and then repurpose it for our um, purpose. Uh, it's not air bearing, I can tell it <laughs> right now officially. Okay. But uh, we are using a smart way to, to get advantage of uh, uh, properties of magnets. Uh, they are uh, unbelievably efficient. Mm -hmm. So uh, the phase is the build phase. We filed a conditional permit to Kings County. The county has uh, six months to answer. Uh, we think it will be positive and then we start to build. Uh, in the moment, we will start to do the normal operations, so environmental study, uh, pylon alignments, and uh, all the other um, you know, things allowed by law. Right. In the same time, we are talking uh, with several city pairs that are interested to build the full-scale Hyperloop. Mm -hmm. So we are the one that actually are working on the full scale and the real Hyperloop. HTT says it's going to build a five-mile Hyperloop in Quay Valley, California. We haven't seen much of the company in terms of real models or giant tubes or anything, but they say they're going to prove the skeptics wrong. We are mentoring several teams in the competition. We are not officially participating in the competition because we don't see a good value to work on a prototype that is not really doable. So what is happening right now in SpaceX is, you know, it's a prototype that is not really thinking about transporting passenger. You know, it's a very reduced version of a real Hyperloop. We are way past that phase. And then probably the polar opposite type of company is Hyperloop Technologies. Hyperloop Technology was started by these guys. I'm Brogan Van Brogan, Chief Technical Officer and Co-Founder of Hyperloop Tech. I'm Shervin Pishavar, I'm a Co-Founder and Executive Chairman. And I'm Rob Lloyd, uh, Chief Executive Officer of Hyperloop Technologies. Hyperloop Technologies is kind of your typical Silicon Valley startup. If your typical Silicon Valley startup wanted to build giant bullet pod tubes, I guess. And if they were located in LA. They start in a garage, now they've got a giant space in downtown LA. They're founded by Brogan, who is a former SpaceX engineer. They've secured $26 million in funding from venture capitalists and want to raise up to $80 million in its Series B round. They're also run, well, like a company. Rob Lloyd used to be a former Cisco executive. He knows business. Elon Musk released the white paper. You guys announced your company and have been, you know, breaking ground out there. 
But I think for a lot of people, this didn't feel real until there's an event like this. Um, at least for me, it didn't feel real because I haven't seen what you guys have been doing out there. So um, do, do you feel similarly or I guess you guys have sort of been living it? We've hired an amazing team uh, of, of technical ninjas that are solving this problem and have been you know for the last year and so it feels very real for us but we but but we know that's inside of our walls um uh, so to come here and see the groundswell of excitement be so tangible and see all the amazing work these students are doing is absolutely amazing and to that point hyperloop is real for those who aren't familiar what is the rough plan at the moment you guys are building a test track north of las vegas correct correct so our company is is focused on demonstrating a full-scale system uh, in operation this year. And Brogan's team is heads down uh, to make that happen. We've acquired uh, some land. Uh, we're uh, going to build a, uh, that system this year and then really say to the world, this, this is like our Kitty Hawk moment. We're going to demonstrate that this works. And then from that point, we're going to look around the world uh, for the most promising projects that have a movement behind them an excited government that wants to see a transformational system evolve to solve a real problem. And it could be freight or it could be people. And our company's focused on both. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Um, and to be you know, very realistic about our plan, we expect in 2017 and 2018, we'll begin construction of the first systems in the world to become to become uh, a Hyperloop service by 2021. That's years shorter than most people think possible, but the pace with which Brogan's team is moving, the progress we've made in since coming from a garage is breathtaking, and actually I have huge confidence that we will be building the world's first Hyperloops within two years. Do you guys have a Hyperloop right now in your office, like a small scale one that works? Okay. <laughs> so the full thing... Yeah, so we don't scale models, yeah. and, and that's a principle that Brogan has learned over his years. And so we're kind of following that you don't do a scale model, you do the engineering, and then you test, and then you build. Mm-hmm. Is, can you explain a little bit more about why you have that principle, or is that just how it's normally done in engineering? No, I you know, actually uh, learned that uh, at SpaceX, you know, um, you know, we moved very fast, and it was really uh, amazing to be an engineer there. It was so fun. Um, and kind of the principles that came down from Elon were if you build a, a scale model, uh, it takes just as long, and you learn half as much. The advantage of building a scale model is it's less expensive. Uh, so in a lot of engineering applications, it makes sense to do that. But the way we want to build out Hyperloop, we felt that going full scale, full speed uh, was the right way to do it. So test track by the end of this year, will, that, will you guys put people on that test track? No, that will be a very fast acceleration and deceleration to get to 700 plus miles an hour in over three, and decelerate over three kilometers. So we'll build a pod uh, that will carry a payload. And then from that point, we'll move forward uh, from that point into the next level of innovation and system development, which actually is beginning already today. 
The prototype is really intended to prove out the engineering elements. It's so uh, we're we're designing it for that purpose. Yeah. So we won't be riding that one, uh, but we'll be demonstrating uh, the capabilities and then beginning to move to the next versions of the of the technology and the systems that will allow us to actually make this a reality by 2020. I might sneak on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two competing companies, two competing methodologies. While I was talking to these guys, we were in this giant conference center next to the massive Texas A&M football field. There was a big balcony, and below me, it was kind of like a science fair. You've got hundreds of teams designing pods and presenting them. I haven't talked too much about the specific designs of any of these pods, because frankly, it's impossible to say which ones are going to work. SpaceX and Tesla judges chose 22 teams that will actually build their pods and test them out in June. MIT was the winner of this weekend's competition, but that doesn't really mean that their pod is going to perform any better than anyone else's once it's actually built. There are a few things worth pointing out about the competition and about the design of the Hyperloop, though. There are three main theories when it comes to pod design. You can use wheels, which are old school, but which Elon Musk advocated for because it prevents you from needing, quote, a series of miracles, end quote, in order for this technology to work. Then there are air bearings, which is basically like turning the pod into an air hockey puck and the track into an air hockey table. And then lastly, there's magnetic levitation, which is the most futuristic and probably the coolest hardware tech out there today. I'm Scott Santandria. I run uh, business development for ArxPax. We're a little 17-person startup that uh, created the hoverboard. The hoverboard, eh? Like, not the hoverboard that's kind of like a segue without um, handles that everyone inaccurately calls a hoverboard, but an actual hovering board, yes? That's right. In in fact, it's funny you say that. Everybody asks me, all my friends, whenever I see another hoverboard, uh, quote-unquote hoverboard, exploding, I always get an email from like three or four of my friends saying, what the hell are you doing? And I say, that's not us. It has nothing to do with us. Yeah, this is a, a technology we developed that actually creates uh, electromagnetic fields, and those fields uh, generate eddy currents in a substrate, and that creates lift. So it actually is something that lifts directly off the ground, can carry about 600, 700 pounds right now with uh, scalability to get up to thousands. And... Um, We've got a hoverboard as a proof of concept to show our technology works. So we'll get to the Hyperloop in a second, but does it frustrate you that everyone calls those other things hoverboards when they're not? It makes us crazy. It does. I I mean, look, uh, it's it's an interesting technology, and uh, it requires a lot of work and a lot of control to be able to make it right, but it has nothing to do with what we're doing. And uh, we're trying to solve a problem that actually has a meaningful industrial and... uh, Uh, you know, uh, major impacts in the way people build things. Um, We consider those to be toys, fun toys, but but not anywhere in the league uh, that we we make our stuff. So um, you have a hover engine here with you. Um, We can't see it, but uh, can you turn it on for us just to to hear what it sounds like? Absolutely. So this is a small motor and a small engine. It's got a payload of about 25 pounds. So right now, it sounds like the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's uh, again, the, uh, this little engine uh, has the ability to lift its own weight plus an additional about 20 pounds, and it's completely directional. So, uh, if we were to move it in one way, it would uh, basically move off to the left. We move it slightly the other way, it moves off to the right, and our engineers know exactly how to control them uh, equally. So we can have quite precise control of these kinds of engines. Uh, in industrial applications. We're here for two reasons. One, because our CEO is uh, 
insanely passionate about the Hyperloop. Uh, we're a company that really loves these uh, futuristic concepts, ways to change the world and improve things. Uh, but two, we believe this is uh, fundamentally maybe the best application for our technology. And there's a number of reasons for that. Um, we're talking to, I, I think, my, I've talked to 120 teams myself this week, and every one of these teams need to be able to build a system that includes propulsion, includes lift, includes control, and includes braking, right? Each one of them have largely put four different systems together to accommodate each one of those functions. Well, we think our technology handles every one of those functions in one device. And it also enables uh, a lot of things uh, in a system design that might make the Hyperloop easier to build. For example, I don't know if you saw the video, but our hoverboard works on a half pipe. We have a half pipe in our lab, which means by definition it'll work really well on bank turns. And uh, if you're going to make a Hyperloop and make it affordable, you're going to have to choose between going through a mountain or going around a mountain, right? Going through a mountain is going to cost you millions and millions of dollars. Going around a mountain is much cheaper. Air bearing systems can't handle that. All the other systems that we're talking about today require a very straight line in order to work right, whereas we can actually manage a bank turn quite easily. So we envision a system where either uh, today or in the near future, you could either have a hybrid system where if uh, air bearings are suitable for a certain section of the ride, then you'd use those, and then you'd have our system deployed just to be able to manage the Hyperloop pod through the turns to get it to either different population centers, around a mountain, uh, other issues that might preclude uh, uh, Hyperloop from being built. Right-of-way problems are easily the biggest cost and the biggest problem with getting any rail or transit problem built. Uh, it's much, much more than the construction cost, much more than the cost of the vehicle itself. It's buying the land, fighting everybody who doesn't want the train going through their land. And if you can have a train system that can, be a, that can move around quite easily, uh, that means you're going to be mitigating those right-of-way costs. You can be going through government land as opposed to private land. You can be going through um, communities that have approved the thing. Uh, there's, there's a lot of flexibility with the system. My big takeaway from the weekend, like I mentioned earlier, is that there's now a Hyperloop industry. You've got guys like Scott and Arx Pax, and you even have people imagining what a Hyperloop station might look like, like this architect. My name is Larry Kearns, that's K-E-A-R-N-S, and I'm an architect in Chicago. I uh, have been practicing there for 31 years. We came here as an architecture firm because we really wanted to address uh, the issue of integrating the Hyperloop in existing cities. And from our point of view, uh, the Hyperloop success is really about its uh, viability from a user's perspective. And we very much want and look at the Hyperloop as joining two urban centers, two cities that are very distant, uh, into one virtual city so that you're connecting those economies at the hip. And the key, we think, uh, we came because we wanted to design a station and the interface with that city. And um, so what we've done is design an extremely compact um, uh, Hyperloop station that can integrate with any city block. When you go to the Hyperloop station, you'll see that it's um, integrated right in the city. So you enter right off the sidewalk and you quickly go uh, into sort of a what we've deemed a more of a like cafe environment where you're there's a certain buzz or energy there, but there's refreshments, there's light, there's views outside, and that I can then um, uh, 
fairly uh, simply get on uh, what we've deemed a loading sled where I can sit in the context of this cafe um, into my seat. uh, And then that sort of loading sled would go into a pod and off I go. Uh, And that, um, that user experience would reverse itself on the destination city. But um, the idea is that I'm not feeling like I'm ever in a foreign environment. I don't have all of the heavy security theater that I have with other forms of transportation. Um, it's as simple as getting on a metro, uh, really, and um, ending up in another city. Maybe all that excitement is why, when Elon Musk finally showed up at the very end of the conference, it sounded like we were talking about a technology that already exists. I was on the floor when Elon was announced, and here's what it sounded like. The first voice you hear is Steve Davis, who has taken the Hyperloop lead over at SpaceX. One more uh, important closing remark, actually, about uh, social media. Um, There's been a a hashtag that we've been using this whole time, hashtag BreakAPod. But today, another hashtag popped up, I believe from the form of the team's Florida, and the hashtag was hashtag where is Elon? So I think we might be able to answer that question for you right now. What we really intended to do with the Hyperloop was really to, to spur interest in new forms of transportation. Um, and I think, I, I'm starting to think this is really going to happen. What matters is the, the, whatever the end thing is built that people actually use, um, it, the, the cost and the reliability and the utility uh, have to be really as good as possible. So, uh, you know, really the, the fundamental physics and economics uh, should drive the, the true solution. And I'm, I'm not sure we know what that, that is uh, yet. And that's really what we're doing here. This is a journey of discovery to say, what, what is the right solution? Elon answered questions for about 25 minutes, and it was immediately clear that everyone in the room was hanging on his every word. They easily could have kept him there all night. At one point, one guy standing next to me hopped on another's shoulders, and Elon finally called on him. You know what, there's like 12 hands over there. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Elon. Our team will be going to competition weekend, and we won the Subsystem Safety Design Award. Will you sign our design award? <laughs> uh, okay. How many of these are there? <laughs> All right. I'll, you know what? Um, if if there, anyone who wants it signed, uh, bring it back, and, and I'll, I'll sign it. So. All right. I had to catch up with that team afterwards. A lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears some of the greatest guys and gals around to really make this happen. Um, I think I've been with the most passionate team I've ever worked with in my life. It is crazy that we're here, we're setting the change for the future, and we're really making an impact in tomorrow. So it feels crazy. Like, I could cry. I'm going to go home and cry tonight. It's going to feel amazing. And we just convinced Elon Musk to sign everyone's trophy. Yeah. <laughs> we are the team. I mean, yeah, At that point, we can pretty much do anything. So. Yeah. 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 Um, what did you guys do when you were announced? Like, what, like... What was your immediate reaction? Whose house? Whose house? Whose house? Whose house? That was response. And then, well, everyone went home on planes, on trains, in cars. No hyperloops. They've got to get to work on that. How did you guys get here? So uh, Purdue would have liked to take the hyperloop, but we ended up driving from our university to Chicago. So it's a two and a half hour drive, and then we took a, a flight from Chicago Midway to Houston, we landed in Hobby, and then we drove another two and a half hours to get to College Station for the competition. So we drove for about a total of five hours, and then we had a a four-hour flight 
So it was a nine hour trip, but on the Hyperloop, we could have been here in probably about an hour and a half. Took an airplane from Denver to Houston and then rented a car and took the hour and a half drive to get here. So what too was, many vans. Yeah, what was the total uh, like travel time? Total travel time, probably five and a half, six hours. Could have been reduced uh, drastically yeah. if we had this Hyperloop technology ready. But yeah. How long in a Hyperloop, you think, roughly? Less than an hour. It'd be a lot more convenient as well. So Total, it probably took us about 12 hours total transportation time. We flew down here from Seattle to Dallas. Uh, Dallas, we picked up a few rental cars and drove straight to a college station. In our, in our, in our driving, we pulled over just for a little bit, take a quick break, and it turns out we ran over a five-inch nail that popped our tire and had to get a new tire right away and just come, come back here and start to work. And how long would it have taken with a Hyperloop, do you think? What's the distance? Any idea? Let's see, about four, three and a half hour flight. So it's... What do you think? Probably... Hour. Hour and a half. We were able to take one direct flight from Melbourne to Los Angeles. Uh, it's about a 14 and a half hour flight uh, from one side of the world to the other. And then we stopped over there for a few hours, and from there I was able to fly from LA to Austin, and then a couple more hours train uh, car trip from Austin to College Station. So all up was about transit of close to 26 hours. This has been Radio Motherboard. I'm Jason Kebler, and we're edited by Mark Liam Bruni. Thanks for listening. Adrian Jeffries will be back next week. If you haven't, please subscribe to us on iTunes and consider giving us a rating and a review there. It really helps. Also, tell your friends to listen. If you have any questions, you can email us at letters at motherboard.tv. Thanks. See you next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.